You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio fast pace. They can go no huddle, they can go two tight ends, they can go play action, they can take shots down the field, they can run the ball with Cam. I love the options here. Opinionated. Mac Jones was a safe pick, but his ceiling is just Kirk Cousins. To the point. The Red Sox are better than I expected. I still don't think they're winning the division. The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas show on a Wednesday right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We go right up here until 6.20 again today, and then it's Red Sox and Braves game two from Atlanta. Sox win a wild one last night, 10-8, and the Rays lost last night, and the Rays may lose today, so a chance for the Sox to continue to gain ground in the American League East. Rays were at last check 7-7 in the bottom of the ninth inning with the White Sox. We have a ton to get to today, and we will discuss all of it uh, throughout the course of the next 50 minutes. And Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio will stop by with us at 545. If you want to get in, you can, as always, on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line. It's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville, and you can get us at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. Let's get to it. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. I'm going to start here with the NBA playoffs. Kevin Durant, to me, is the perfect NBA villain. Kevin Durant, to me, is the perfect, the perfect epitome of an NBA villain. Look, I don't, I didn't plan last night when I'm thinking about the show to spend part of our 50 minutes here together talking about a non-local story, but damn, if you are looking for the perfect villain in the NBA, it is Kevin Durant. What he did last night was incredible carrying his team he went for 49 points 17 rebounds he had a triple double and the nets beat the bucks to take a 3-2 series lead back to milwaukee and if you need more evidence other than just the pure numbers that i just gave you 49.17 boards of how good kevin durant was here's frank isola who covers the nets for the yes network kevin durant was back at the top of his game you know when you think about it, it was his highest scoring game since April of 2019, I think it was April 26, about six weeks before he suffered that Achilles injury at 50 points against the Clippers. And then last night, he's going for 49, 31 in the second half, 20 in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was just a, such a dominant player. I love 31 in the second half, 20 in the fourth quarter. Kevin Durant carried his team to a victory, a victory they had no business getting last night. They were down 14 at the end of the first quarter. And they dominated the second half. They dominated the fourth quarter because of Kevin Durant. A team without Kyrie Irving. A team that got just five points from a gimpy James Harden. 
Kevin Durant carried on his back. So why is it, in my mind, that he is the perfect NBA villain? Because Kevin Durant has made himself completely unlikable and then can go out and do what he did last night. Someone who can be so abrasive, in my opinion, but can also torch nets at the rate he did last night, that is the guy. That is the NBA villain. If we all want to love Steph Curry, then we all, in my opinion, want to hate Kevin Durant. And if you hate somebody, or if you can hate somebody, and they can then go out and stick it in your face like Durant did last night, that makes him the perfect villain. Here is why I don't think Kevin Durant is likable. Here is why I think a lot of people, most people, root against Kevin Durant, and it's because of these following reasons that Kevin Durant's performance last night is even more elevated. If Kevin Durant, if it was just, hey, everybody loves Durant and he went off, it'd be celebrated, but I don't think it'd be talked about like this. It's talked about like this because Kevin Durant is unlikable. He is abrasive. He is grating on people, and he can still shove it to you. A lot of people think Kevin Durant ruined basketball by joining the Golden State Warriors. Younger people think this. Intern Jack came to me on Sunday and said, hey, did you think the NBA was ruined? No, it was actually, it was intern Colin came to me yesterday. He said, did you think basketball was ruined when Durant went to the Warriors? Young people think this. So young people think that the big three era the idea of super teams started with Durant going to Golden State. Now, sure, there was super teams prior, right? We saw it in Boston with the Celtics. We saw LeBron in Miami. Not four, not five, not six, not seven. We've seen super teams before. But to younger people, Kevin Durant is unlikable because they point to him going to Golden State as the moment competitive balance in the NBA changed. Okay, Even though we'd seen it before, younger fans associate KD with that. They look at KD as a sellout move. That is that is, that was a sellout move that brought about this idea of super teams, player empowerment, etc. And even if you're not young, a lot of people view Kevin Durant going to Golden State as a sellout move for his championship motives. Kevin Durant with Oklahoma City could not win a title. He had lost to LeBron in the Heat. He could not beat Golden State so he joined them and a lot of people of all ages looked down upon Kevin Durant for that decision he couldn't beat him so he joined them and that bothers people look we love the idea that somebody can win as a lone wolf okay we all want to say well see this superstar is so great he didn't need that it's why we're rooting for Giannis in this series, because he feels like that lone wolf. And when Kevin Durant proved with Oklahoma City that he couldn't be that guy, and then he had to sell out and go to Golden State, people looked down upon that. They, we love Giannis because Giannis stayed in the small market, because Giannis committed to the, to the small market, because Giannis um, is trying to do it more himself. Kevin Durant didn't do that, and people hold that against him. Also, KD, wholly unlikable because, look, like the guy had his own burner account to ward off the haters. Kevin Durant is sensitive. 
He gets into back and forths on Twitter. He's chatty on social media. He gets into it with somebody as insignificant as Michael Rappaport over text message. That's not somebody who's likable. That's not a guy who plays above board. That's not a guy who says the right thing. Kevin Durant is a guy who feels like he's always looking for conflict and is bothered when he gets it. He's not a likable figure. And the fact that he can go out and score 49 on a guy we do like in Giannis makes it even worse. He is the perfect NBA villain. Kevin Durant, the perfect NBA villain. 802-585-3026 with your thoughts on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line. Durant also gets under my skin and bothers me because he gets into the grills and gets under the skin of guys that are universally respected. He couldn't get along with Steph Curry? Like, who can't get along with Steph Curry? He didn't want to play with Steph and Clay anymore? That's like the most likable pair in the NBA, and Durant wanted none of it. Now, you know, he insults Russell Westbrook at every turn, and even if you don't like Russell Westbrook's game, Russell Westbrook is also generally well-liked and well-respected around fan circles. So he gets uh, he gets after two universally-liked figures, and now, like, that's got to be a KD problem because I don't think Steph has the problem. I don't think Russ has the problem. It's got to be KD who has the problem, and now he's going after Giannis too, and people don't like that. And then finally... Reason number five why Kevin Durant is unlikable, he's playing with Kyrie Irving, who's unlikable. He's unlikable to Celtics fans, but he's unlikable to people around the NBA in a lot of ways, too. He's also paired up with James Harden, who also is unlikable. The way James Harden plays is hard to watch. His style of play is unlikable. His forcing his way out of Houston to get to Brooklyn is unlikable. The Nets just seem like a team full of unlikable guys, okay? We, they, 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 The big three for the Nets feel like unlikable, entitled players. So Kevin Durant feels like the leader amongst them. Kevin Durant, look, a lot of people want to hate LeBron, and they, but they want to hate LeBron for off-the-court stuff. If you're talking about on-court stuff, Kevin Durant is the perfect villain. He plays with unlikable teammates. Young people think he ruined basketball by, gold, by going to Golden State. He sold out to get a championship by going to Golden State. And he somehow can't get along with likable people. The problem is KD. He's an unlikable figure. And now the fact that he can go out and get 49 on you and crush dreams, that makes him the perfect NBA villain. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I mean... You know, again, the scowl, the shot-making, all of it for for Durant. As a total aside, I really feel for Giannis in this series. Okay, Giannis went for 34-12 and 12 yesterday. He had good numbers, but I feel for him because the truth is coming out about him in this series. The truth is coming out about Giannis. And it pains me to say this because I like Giannis because he is so likable. He's the great American dream. He comes over from another country, picks up the sport late, comes here, and dominates in most cases. But he's not dominating when it counts. Giannis is being exposed as a flawed player. 
Giannis is an incredible athlete. He can do special things. He can carry a team on any given night, but he can't carry a team on every single night. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a great athlete. He is not a great basketball player. And that pains me to say, but it is the truth. Okay, Yon, like Cam Newton, like I got a thing for likable people. Cam Newton's likable, it's hard for me to crush him. Giannis is likable, it's hard for me to crush him. I have a hard time getting on guys who say and do the right things and stay out of trouble. But he is a flawed player, Giannis is. In the modern NBA, you have to be able to shoot the ball. The whole game is predicated on getting to the foul line and hitting free throws or shooting from behind the arc and hitting threes. And Giannis this year, 30% from three. 28% from three in his career. It hasn't gotten better. He's 52% at the foul line in these playoffs. And actually, each of the last three years, he's gotten significantly worse than the year before in the playoffs at the line. He is a player who can truly do special things. But at the end of the day, Giannis reminds me of Blake Griffin. Like, Giannis scores more than Griffin did. But Griffin was a guy to me. You know, Clippers, Blake Griffin. Physical specimen. But eventually, I just labeled him a dunker. It never felt like Blake Griffin ever got better. He couldn't shoot from deep. His game never really evolved. And at a time when big men around the league can shoot, Luka can shoot, Porzingis can shoot, Robin Lopez, or Brooke Lopez, his teammate in, Giannis's teammate in Milwaukee, he can shoot. Big men can shoot. And Giannis can't. So it's he is a flawed player. Okay, it feels like Blake Griffin to me, where his game just isn't evolving. He's great in the regular season. He can do amazing things, but he is not a great basketball player. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVRadio.com. Staying in the NBA, the Boston Celtics are looking for a new head coach, and they are apparently not looking at most of the general population of candidates. Is that a smart idea? We asked Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio. He's up next on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV. Looking for a new career? Pro Driver Training is Vermont's premier truck driver training school, offering Class A and B CDL, passenger, and advanced skills training with locations in Milton and Enosburg Falls, online at prodrivercdl.com. Taking classes isn't really my thing. Not a problem. Pro Driver Training uses a combination of lab, behind the wheel, and classroom training. They can break things down in a way that's understandable to you. I'm pretty busy. I don't think I have the time. Pro Driver Training will work with you with flexible scheduling. I'm Evan Hallstrom. I got my CDL Class A at Pro Driver Training. Liz and Alex made me feel very comfortable and adjusted training to my needs. At Pro Driver Training, success is their goal. A commercial driver's license can open up a whole new world of opportunities. Pro Driver Training, with locations in Milton and Enosburg Falls, online at prodriverscdl.com. One of the nicest guys in sports talk radio, and one of the smartest. We thought the Patriots, that they're very good at keeping information from getting out. They're better than the FBI and the CIA. It's time for our weekly conversation with ESPN's Freddie Coleman on The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com.
Welcome back in. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on a Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. We go up until 6.20 today, and then it's Red Sox baseball, Sox and Braves, game two of a quick two-game set down in Atlanta. Joining us now is our guy from ESPN Radio, as he does every single Wednesday. It's Freddie Coleman, co-host Freddie and Fitzsimmons, tonight, 9 p.m., streaming at WDEVradio.com, and then on after the Red Sox game right here on DEV. Freddie, how are you? I am good, Brady. How's everything with you, my man? We are good. We are jam-packed and busy today. And, you know, we were just talking about this. I think, in my own personal opinion, I think Kevin Durant is unlikable for a lot of reasons. But when he is unlikable and then turns in a performance like last night that's so unbelievably special, I think Kevin Durant makes the perfect NBA villain. What do you think of that? To me, he's not an NBA villain. I'm, I understand where you're coming from because he's had his run-ins with the media. He's also had his run-ins with fans on social media. I don't think that makes him a villain kind of guy. I, I hear you. I hear what you're saying that he's unlikable at times. But also look at Kevin Durant. That Kevin Durant's the kind of guy that was determined to try to find his basketball Valhalla. Maybe he's found it with the Brooklyn Nets. We shall see. But in terms of that kind of performance that we saw last night, only man in NBA playoff history to get 45 points, at least that, at least 15 rebounds and at least 10 assists. He single-handedly carried the Brooklyn Nets to a 3-2 lead against the Milwaukee Bucks, especially when you look at not the guys who weren't there. Kyrie Irving out with the sprained ankle. We don't know if we're going to see him in the rest of the series. And a hobble James Harden, even though he played 46 minutes. The fact that he was able to go out there and time after time after time in the second half scoring 30 points, making every play, making every big shot. You can see why a lot of people believe that maybe right now he may be the best basketball player in the world and putting LeBron James in the number two slot. So you don't agree with epiphany number one for me. How about epiphany number two? And this one pains me to think this, so I actually hope you'll tell me that I'm wrong here. Giannis, to me, is a great athlete, a special athlete, but he's not necessarily a great basketball player. Do you agree with me there? No, he's, he he is a superstar, and I think I will agree with you. Here's why. Because great players find ways to expand their game and make themselves even greater. We've seen that with the greats of the past, whether it was Michael Jordan or Jerry West or an Oscar Robertson or Bill Russell, and then the latter day, of course, Michael Jordan, people like that, Kobe Bryant. And you look at what Kevin Durant has been able to do, and LeBron James, what they've been able to do, expanding their games. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he could be so much of a greater player and maybe the best player on the planet if he would develop a jump shot, get better from the free throw line, and not shrink in big moments. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we can consider him a great player. Is he a very good player? Oh, there's no doubt about that. Can he be great? Well, I believe he has the ability and the mindset to, but the question is, can he do that? You're not a two-time MVP for nothing. and He deserves, in my opinion, both of those MVP awards. But you can't keep coming up small in moments like we've seen time and time again, not just the Bucks as a team, but Giannis as a player. So, yeah, I love the fact that he is going to continue to play hard and he seems to be a likable guy. I know for a fact that he's a likable guy. But likable guys that don't have a killer instinct are not going to win championships, and we've seen that, that he has the likability. But he's got to be the opposite of that if the Milwaukee Bucks are not going to lose again and not get to the NBA Finals. You know, he scores more than the two players I'm about to, to, to reference here, but he reminds me of Blake Griffin and Dwight Howard, two players that were unbelievable athletes, and I'm sure both are headed to the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure Giannis will too, but they never seem to expand their game like you're talking about. That's kind of who he reminds me of. 
And that's a great comparison because think how much better Dwight Howard could have been if he turned into a better free throw shooter or if he didn't struggle and shrink in those big games. So you're exactly right because it's hard to, to get greatness. We know what it is, Brady, when we see it. We know what it looks like when we see it. But sometimes a lot of people either don't want to pay the price or don't have the mentality to want to be great. For example, I look at a guy like Trey Young in the Atlanta Hawks. He wants to be great. He's yeah. not a great basketball player yet, even though he's had a great playoff run. But you get the sense that you keep putting people around him with that attitude that he's going to develop into a great point guard in the NBA. You look at Young Antetokounmpo, I would hate to think that a championship or a lack of championship is going to define his legacy. But at the rate he's going, that if he's not able to find a killer instinct and improve his game, he's going to be one of those guys like Patrick Ewing. And Patrick Ewing was a great player, had a great NBA career, but unfortunately the timing wasn't right. Patrick Ewing at least tried to get to a championship, and he did deliver the key moments. But at the same time, he didn't get that ring. Giannis has not had that signature key moment to deliver in the playoff. And the further and further he goes along, the more and more important that's going to be and more of an albatross around his neck if he can't get it done. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons tonight, 9 p.m. right here on WDEVradio.com. And then after the Red Sox game, live on the air on WDEV AM and FM. Um, sticking in the NBA, moving over to the Celtics. Jason Tatum is likely going to play for Team USA at the Olympics. We have this, this discussion every time your guy goes to represent their country. We know what happened to Paul George back in the day when he was playing for the Pacers. Should Celtics fans be worried or upset that Tatum's going overseas? You should always be worried, but I've never understood why people are upset with somebody that wants to do what they want to do with their life because it's their life that's not going to be yours. And how many times that we always love that people – are patriotic and they have the USA across their chest going to play for our country and represent our country in the Olympics. This is no different. Jason Tatum has even openly talked about that he would love the opportunity to do something like this. And so no one should really criticize him for that. Of course, you're going to be worried because anything can happen. We've seen injuries, how they can derail or potentially derail the team. For example, Kawhi Leonard with the Los Angeles Clippers, Kyrie Irving with with the Brooklyn Nets. So we've seen how an injury can really take away the prospect of winning a championship. But that doesn't mean that that should make you skittish or scared not to want to do something that you had your heart set on. So you can be upset. You can be, you can be critical. You can also think to yourself, man, I'm really worried about him. But if Jason Tatum wants to do this, representing the country that we all believe in, the ideals that we believe in, then how is that a problem? It should be something that is a bad thing for Jason Tatum to want to do. You know, Freddie, talking about race makes me uncomfortable, and I think that's part of the problem in society is that too many people are uncomfortable talking about it. So I ask you this question with that prism behind me. There's a report out from Bleacher Report today. The Celtics are prioritizing black head coaching candidates. Fair or foul that it's out there publicly? It's fair that it's out there publicly because if you're going to do that, then I don't understand where the problem is. And here's why I say that, because there's always going to be an unequal playing field when it comes to people of color, not only in sports, but in society in general. That's just been a fact that has gone on since 1619 when the Pilgrims first landed at Plymouth Rock here in the United States. There's always going to be that unevenness when it comes to race. And I think a lot of people break un- uncomfortable talking about it. And it just can't just, it just can't just, you can't see the, say to yourself, all right, I'm uncomfortable. That means we can't talk about it. That means you're not addressing the issues that are going to be out there when it comes to systemic racism inside and outside of sports. We've seen those things happen. So the Boston Celtics are going to prioritize that, and they believe that's going to make them a better organization. That shouldn't be a problem. And if people have a problem with that, then 
that's how they feel. But we also know that people should be given a fair and equal chance. This is the Boston Celtics' way of making sure that, okay, we're going to prioritize black coaches to be the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Well, that's our way of trying to level the playing field, at least raise awareness that people are not getting a fair and equal chance. For example, look at the same plight when it comes to women in our, in our society. They don't get fair and equal chances, and they're paid a lot less than men. But yet, if you bring that up, it seems that men, especially white men, don't want to discuss that. Well, you just can't have things being uncomfortable at your leisure. That's not what the word uncomfortable means. At that point, it's a comfortable setting. Anytime you have something like this and there's going to be an uncomfortable situation that's going to come up, then why not have the discussion about it? Why not have that discussion and open it up? This way, more and more you start to maybe see the other side or see all sides and not just stick to your one belief and think that's the way it thinks it's supposed to be. And if it's not like that, then you become uncomfortable. Then that's a too bad thing because other things make but to not, but to deny it and not want to take part in it or at least have a discussion about it, I don't think that's making anything better. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, with us here. Well said, and we will certainly uh, have a continued discussion about this um, you know, on tomorrow's show when we have a full 90 minutes here. Um, Freddie, I do want to move over to the Patriots. The reports were out yesterday. Cam Newton was awful at ma- mandatory minicamp, struggled with accuracy. He was bad in the red zone. Today he was great. Like, How do you view these mandatory minicamp practices? No big deal because it's June or big deal because yesterday the same inaccuracy problems Cam had last year are creeping back up again? I shrug my shoulders at football practices that don't involve football pads and tackle. <laughs> I've yeah, never been yeah. so worried about that. This is like seven-on-seven seven camp as far as I'm concerned. And and if people want to be exercised about that, my answer to that is with a question, why? Be exercised about that if he's throwing the ball like this, being inconsistent by game three, game four, game five. And then you can have a lot of cause for concern. But I'm never going to lose my mind about a guy that didn't have a full training camp or even OTAs last year when he got the Patriots. There are going to be good days and bad days that are going to happen when you're trying to find that chemistry. And also remember this, they have, he has four new weapons that he did not have last year with the Patriots making those moves in free agency. So, of course, there are going to be days where he looks sharp and other days where he's not going to look sharp. Worry about that being a concern if he's doing this in practice when the regular season comes along. And if he does do this in practice, Brady, we're never going to know because the New England Patriots are not going to allow that information to get out there. I think they're allowing this information to get out there now because they know that everybody's going to scrutinize it. But the minute we get pads and shoulder pads and helmets on, then they're going to, re- they're going to circle the ranks and not let any information get out there. It's a shrug of the shoulder to me how effective or ineffective that Cam Newton has been so far in OTAs and in the mini camps. Freddie Stefan Gilmore holding out right now because of his contract. He's owed $7 million this year, but he's going to be 31. He's coming off an injury. I think the Patriots need him to be successful this year, but the age and injury are a concern. How do you handle this, what I think is a pretty complicated situation? Yeah, it is complicated because you mentioned the age part at 31 years of age. You can't really overpay that position at cornerback when Stephon Gilmore may be on the cusp of losing a step and now you're committing money to a guy that's going to hamstring the salary cap, especially when it comes to dead money, that you have to worry about the Patriots organization. So I clearly understand why this is a complicated situation. You know you need him on defense, but if he's going to hold out for more money, we've seen the Patriots, they'll give you money when they believe that either you've earned it or that you still have a production value to you. And even though Stephon Gilmore has been terrific for this team, remember, he was defensive player of the year not too long ago, that doesn't mean you can't look at father time and look at the future. and You've got to weigh those things depending on what kind of contract you're going to think about giving him 
or letting him walk when it's all said and done. So if you're Stephon Gilmore, if you believe in yourself, holding out may not be the best possible plan. Whether you're a Patriot player after the season, you're going somewhere else. Freddie Coleman, one of the best. Thoughtful, insightful, uh, well-spoken, always, and always with us here on a Wednesday. Freddie and Fitzsimmons is his show. It's on the air tonight after Red Sox baseball, and at 9 o'clock, it's on WDEVradio.com. Freddie, you're the best, man. We will talk to you again next week. I appreciate you, Brady. You take care, my friend. You be well. All right. For you too. Freddie Coleman, uh, as I said, always one of the best. And I get a lot of great feedback on Freddie's interview every single week, and you can Get in with us, 802-585-3026. Again, on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. Tomorrow, we are going to have a more expanded conversation. We will have a full 90-minute show tomorrow about the Celtics reportedly prioritizing black candidates. So we will talk about that, and we'll take some of what Freddie said and, and react to it on tomorrow's show. But what we will do is we will step aside. We'll get a national news update from CBS, and then we'll come right back at it here on the Brady Farkas Show. Pitchers are crying all over baseball about an impending rule enforcement. I'm a former pitcher, and I can't even defend them. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Welcome back. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Reminder, if you ever miss any of the show or any of our exclusive interviews, you can always subscribe to our podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swan Lumber. It's on Spotify and at Apple Podcasts. Text line open, 802-585-3026. Show brought to you in part by Orange Theory Fitness. Orange Theory Fitness, a high-intensity interval training workout program up in South Burlington, right there on Shelburne Road, right next to Chipotle, uh, Starbucks, etc., a one-hour workout, a professional coach who's there with you in a class setting. So it's a group dynamic. It's fun. It's high energy. It's intense. One hour, you're in, you're out. I do it. I did it for three years before the pandemic. I just got back into it this week. So uh, you will enjoy it as well. So Orange Theory Fitness up in South Burlington. Major League Baseball is going to start suspending pitchers who cheat. Pitchers who use foreign substances will be suspended for 10 games. So beginning Monday, Major League Baseball will be enforcing this rule that's been around forever. Know anything on the baseball. If you are found guilty, you will be suspended for 10 games. Pitchers are up in arms around baseball about this. I don't care. I cannot defend my ilk on this. I cannot defend this. This is the way it should be. Simply put, sports should be played purely. Okay, yes, there's big dollars involved. Yes, there's big ego involved. Yes, it means a lot to a lot of people and a lot of places. But sports should be based on athleticism and on skill and not just who can find a loophole the best or who can cheat the best. I don't want steroids in the game. I don't want illegal substances for pitchers in the game. Look, and I don't even care at this point who created this problem. It's all part of a massive system where everybody has fed into the issue. The cheating in the game is everybody's problem. I don't care who created it. I'm not looking to retroactively punish people. All I want is I just want baseball back. That's it. I just want baseball back. Baseball is a fun game. Baseball is an exciting game. Baseball is a game that requires strategy, but also showcases great athleticism. But people, especially young people, aren't seeing that. 
because of the way the game is played. Again, it was never about pace of play. It was always about lack of action. That Red Sox game yesterday, 10-8 final. Sox were up 5-0. Braves come back. Acuna Jr. slides into third, goes crazy. There's emotion, there's energy, and it's fun. It was 5-0. The game wasn't over. Then it's 7-7. Verdugo hits a three-run homer. Look, again, not everything needs to be a home run, but the energy in that ballpark last night, that makes baseball great. And that was a mid-season game in June. And there was still energy there. It was still fun. It's a whole lot more fun than what we saw in April and May. No hitter watch every single night. And hopefully, as Major League Baseball cracks down on this stuff, hopefully Major League Baseball has some teeth behind this and starts catching people and actually follows through and suspends people. Because the game needs to be played properly and pitchers need to take these threats seriously. Baseball needs to be a bat and ball sport rather than a swing and miss sport. And some players, some pitchers, a lot of pitchers are upset by what Major League Baseball is saying. Jeff Passan of ESPN has more. I think the most frustrating part to players is that the league is not going to be differentiating between industrial adhesives like spider tack and sort of lo-fi substances like mixing sunscreen and rosin together, which players have been doing for a long time or using pine tar. They are treating everything uh, as if it's the same. Uh, there are no misdemeanors or felonies. Uh, everything in this case is a felony, and players don't like that very much. I just don't get this. Okay, I really don't. What is the need for a pitcher to have a sticky substance on their hands or on the ball? Okay, we are told it's because pitchers need grip. They need better grip on the ball. I do not buy this. Okay, You played your entire life before the major leagues without spider tack. You played most of your entire life without pine tar, sunscreen, and rosin, or any other adhesive. You played your entire life this way, and you were dominant. Okay, look, I play in the men's league every Sunday. I pitch every Sunday. Every single Sunday, I get brand new baseballs that are crummy quality, that look like they came straight out of the package at Walmart. And guess what? We still play, and I still figure out a way to do it and do just fine. I still get the ball to move. I still control the ball, and we play baseball. Major League Baseball, like all baseballs, are slick. Okay, They are slick. But guess what? Major League Baseball brings in special mud from Costa Rica to rub up baseballs every single night to take away that slippery feel. Okay, Baseballs have a grip already. The glossiness, the glossy texture, the slippery texture is already taken away because they're rubbing it up with special dirt from Costa Rica. Look, if you need to rub them up better, if you need to rub them up more, then so be it. Don't take a baseball out of commission after every single pitch. Let it get worn in a little bit. It'll continue to get a grip. When you ask for a new baseball every single pitch, yes, you might get a slippery one. But rub up the baseballs better. Rub them up more. Don't take them out of play as frequently. There are ways to help the pitchers get grip that aren't cheating. I've done it my entire life, and these guys have done it too. The fact that they are this reliant on cheating 
is problematic to me. Tom Glavin, who's in the Hall of Fame, was on ESPN Radio, and he agrees with me. We all grew up learning how to pitch without having some sticky substance on our hand that helped us pitch. Now, the other side of that, I 100% agree with him uh, that I think it's it's a little bit, um, I don't know what the word I would use is, but you know, I, I think it's it's a little bit problematic that in the middle of the season, now you're going to completely change the rules. I agree with both sides of that. The one thing I will concede on, I do agree it's odd to do this in the middle of the season. But you know what? Baseball sees the way that its sport is trending and doesn't think it can afford to be boring all season long. So to someone who watches every night, I respect that and I appreciate it. I do get it from a player's perspective. It is frustrating to have the rules changed on you midseason. But I also get it from the fans' perspective. The fans who want to watch action are happy by this. I also don't love what Rays pitcher Tyler Glasnow said. Tyler Glasnow is one of the best pitchers in the American League. He pitched the other night, now has a partially torn UCLA. UCL, rather. It may eventually lead to Tommy John surgery. Here's what Glasnow said about all of this. Whether you want us to not use sticky stuff or not is is, is fine. Fine. Do it in the offseason. Give us a chance to adjust to it. But I just threw 80-something, 70-whatever innings, and then you just told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I had to change everything I've been doing the entire season. Everything out of the window. I have to start doing something completely new. And then I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. So he thinks he got hurt because he couldn't use some kind of grippy adhesive on his hands or on the ball. I will admit here, biomechanically, he may be right. Think about this. He was saying, there's more to this clip that I don't have, but he said, I now had to squeeze the ball harder. In order to make the ball move like I wanted to, I had to squeeze the ball harder. If you are in a position where you can take your right hand and just stick it out loose, you don't really feel a whole lot on your on your forearm. But when you squeeze, okay, pretend like you're squeezing something, you feel that pressure on your forearm and on your elbow. So if he truly is now gripping the ball harder to make it move, biomechanically, he's probably right that that didn't help him. But, okay, I ask this. Tyler Glasnow in 2019 missed multiple months with a forearm issue. He was probably using stuff in 2019 and still developed arm problems. Maybe he is just a guy with arm problems, and this is the time where the bill came due. Okay, He might be right. I can't tell him that he's wrong. Squeezing a baseball harder will cause more stress on your forearm. But he's had forearm issues before. And what else is worrisome to me is that pitchers should not be so heavily addicted to this stuff. Okay, Pitchers should not be so heavily addicted to this stuff. Maybe this did cause Tyler Glass now to get hurt. Or maybe the timing is just pure coincidence and it's a guy with a bad arm. But pitchers should not be reliant on cheating agents in in order to make the ball move. The last piece of this story that is interesting is that Jeff Passan says maybe, just maybe, there's a happy medium here. Major League Baseball is looking into a universal substance for players to use. What they're trying to find is something that does not uh, enhance performance significantly, but does give them the grip that they need to feel comfortable going out there and pitching the way that they have uh, become accustomed to pitching. 
look, again, I don't think pitchers should need this, but if Major League Baseball wants to put out a benign sanction grip substance, that's fine too. I don't care. If pine tar doesn't cause the ball to move in crazy ways and affect performance, then fine. Put a pine tar rack on the back of the mound in the same way you put a pine tar rag in the dugout for the offensive players. I don't care. But we've got to level the playing field in order to get baseball back. If there is an agent out there universally that is benign that will not cause offense to crater like we've seen for the last several years, but in the first couple of months of this season also specifically, then I'm for it. If it gets everybody to stop griping, then fine. Hey, you can have your pine tar. It gives you better grip and the ball doesn't move because of it. Then fine. But what we can't have is industrial adhesive causing the average hitter to... like Dave Kingman was universally made fun of the whole time I was growing up. Now he's better than the average major league hitter the first two months of the season. That is a problem. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball comes up in 90 seconds. The show today brought to you by Evan Holstrom Racing. Thunder Road racing season begins tomorrow. We'll have the coverage for you. Well, at least the Thursday night series at Thunder Road begins tomorrow. We'll have the coverage for you beginning at 8.30 with Lee Cattell and Nick Mumley tomorrow. Evan Holstrom has raced at Thunder Road before. He has been the youngest competitor ever to qualify for the Vermont Milk Bowl. You can find him online at evanholstromracing.com. He races in the Pro All-Star Series for the Super Late Models. You can follow his career, where he's going to be next, all of it. Again, he's an 18-year-old driver out of Northfield, Vermont. And uh, if you enjoy local track racing and local drivers, Evan Holstrom is a name that you need to know. 60 seconds, still Sox baseball. Lineups today are as followed. For the Red Sox, it's Marwin Gonzalez leading off at second. Alex Verdugo's in center. J.D. Martinez at left. Xander Bogarts uh, at short. Rafael Devers is at third. Hunter Renfro's in right. Christian Vasquez, the catcher. Bobby Dahlbeck is the first baseman. And Garrett Richards, 4-4 four and four with a 4.09 ERA. He is the pitcher. He bats ninth. For the Braves, Ronald Acuna Jr. is in right leading off. Freddie Freeman's at first. Ozzie Albies at second. Abraham Almonte is in left. Austin Riley is the third baseman. He bats fifth. Dansby Swanson, the shortstop, hits sixth. Kevin Smith, the little-used catcher, hits seventh. Guillermo Heredia in center field, he hits eighth. And Ian Anderson, the young pitcher, uh, hits ninth. He's 4-3 and three with a 3-2-6 ERA. His last outing against the Phillies on June 10th, seven shutout innings. Red Sox baseball, game two of two in Atlanta against the Braves. The Rays did lose today, so the Sox can be within one game if they win. It's now on DEV. This is the World Champions of Baseball.